Thank you for coming today to church right here. We're just getting smack in the middle of summer, aren't we? And here you are in church, you're loving Jesus, and uh, it's just good to have you here. If you're a first-time guest, thank you uh, for coming to worship with us today. We have been praying for you. Uh, before I start my message, I want to kind of give a, a little shout-out to our uh, incredible student ministry and children's ministry here. It is a huge value uh, of our church to invest in the next generation. And, uh, you know, we're singing this uh, real love song, and uh, I'm kind of looking around and watching all the middle-aged white people go, I don't even know how to react to that song. Um, but, uh, but, but there's a bunch of kids up here that are going crazy loving on Jesus. And I think that's a beautiful thing, don't you? Um, and uh, I just want to say there, during this summer, we really have a lot going on with our student ministry that you can uh, be a part of and that you can support every single week. Uh, we have an event going on for our kids' ministry, which is a great opportunity for your kids to get in a great environment to be around godly people because we all know relationships matter, right? And it might be a chance for parents to connect as well, uh, find somebody else that is uh, battling through raising a two-year-old as well. And uh, so every week there is a uh, Kids Rock event going on. And then uh, starting next month, uh, we, are, we have a summer internship for 23 high schoolers which I think is a cool thing. Amen. Uh, and uh, I'm pretty excited about this. Uh, we did it last year, and it was amazing, and we're doing it again this year. Uh, and it's just a chance for uh, high school kids to uh, get around the house of God and to get involved in ministry. They're going to go down to the Dream Center uh, in Atlanta and serve there. They're going to be involved in the church. It's just, I remember last year how fun it was just to have all these, all these high school kids around the church during the summer and uh, just the fun and the laughter and the energy and, and just watching God make an investment in them. And I would like to say this, um, it, it, they have a $500 um, registration for their internship and all of them are kind of believe in God and trying to raise money for that. And uh, if, you were, if you were to ever want to make an investment into something that would have eternal value, uh, making an investment into the next generation would be an incredible thing to do. So I just want to encourage you, Suzette and I have made an investment into all of these high schoolers uh, this year uh, just because we believe in the next generation. And when you believe, some of your resources goes towards that, right? Amen. I'm just making sure. Uh, some of your resources goes towards what you really believe in. So I just want to encourage you, you know, wherever you're at, and uh, you could go. Uh, Ryan did a great job describing to us different, you know, how we can give on a regular basis. But even if you go on our website, you can see every name of every high schooler, or you could just give generally and say whoever needs it the most, whatever. But I just, I would encourage you to make some kind of investment into the next generation. So a seed that will make a difference right? Uh, the best time to have, the saying goes, the best time to have uh, planted a tree was 20 years ago, uh, but the second best time is right now. Uh, so, uh, so I just encourage you to put a, put a seed in the ground 
to help a bunch of high schoolers move forward and to make an investment in the next generation. Somebody say amen. Amen. While we're in wide open spaces, and uh, I like being in wide open spaces, don't you? I like room to breathe. Uh, I like having a free spirit, and I believe that's what Jesus came to bring us into. And today, uh, I want to focus on one verse uh, and uh, to start us off, and that is uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. In case you're new around here, Wide Open Spaces is kind of a journey through the book of 2 Corinthians. And uh, we are just looking at some of the verses here and talking about uh, some of the things that the Apostle Paul had in his heart who wrote the letter uh, to the Corinthians, both letters to them. And uh, some of the things that he has in his heart that he wants to say that uh, I believe can help us move into wide open spaces. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 7 says this, we have this treasure in earthen vessels so that the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not from ourselves. Today I want to talk about amazing treasure in common containers. Amazing treasure in common containers. This is a great verse of scripture. Uh, it tells us this, we have a treasure in a common container. It tells us this, what's in you is greater than you. And when you open your life to Jesus, you open your life to the kingdom of God and you open your life to the things of God, God releases something inside of you where you know that you can walk through life with this idea. I carry something in me that's greater than me. And the, the focus of my life is not so much on the container, but the focus of my life is going to be on what's in the container. Because I hope you will recognize this, that all the containers that God uses are flawed. <laughs> it's, all, it's all flawed. Uh, people are flawed. Come on, turn and look at your neighbor. Say, he's talking about you now. People are flawed. Uh, church is flawed. Uh, and, you know, it's funny to me when somebody wants to pick church apart, uh, I'll go, listen, I could give you a list ten times longer than the list you could come up with about what needs to get better about church and uh, if you want to look for what's wrong you can find what's wrong but there is a treasure that God puts into church life uh, there is a treasure God puts into each church uh, our church has a treasure an anointing in it that is unique uh, and I believe every church that is in our town, God has ordained for a treasure to be in it that is unique and special, but the church itself is flawed. So if, if you want to, to, you know, find the flaws, certainly you can. All systems are flawed, you know. Our governmental system is flawed, right? <laughs> it is. I don't know if you've been following this. I have been following it because I've been 
just came back from England, uh, and I knew that they were having the, the vote. Uh, Great Britain was having a vote on whether they would stay in the European Union or not. And uh, they voted to pull out of the European Union. And it's really fascinating to me to watch uh, the conversation that's going on because there are people that have these strong, adamant, powerful opinions and arguments about why Great Britain should have stayed in the European Union. And then there's another group of people that are just as committed and just as passionate about their ideas about why they should get out of the European Union. And the truth is, no matter what happens, whether they have stayed in, which they did vote to come out, uh, which now North Carolina is thinking about coming out, I don't know. I did hear Texas is thinking about coming out. So maybe Arkansas. Who knows? I don't know who's coming out or who's not. But, but I will say this, is that when I, when I look at government systems and I look at the election that's in front of us, um, I have to say that it, our, our systems are flawed. And the way we, the way we go about it is flawed because it's all about human beings, and human beings are flawed. But there is, I will say, a treasure in the United States that is a pretty special thing. And we could get so hung up on what's wrong with the U.S. that we are forgetting all of the incredible things that are right about the U.S. Somebody say amen. So it's okay to be a little bit patriotic in church. It won't hurt anything. Uh, it, it won't bring anything down. Amen. Pastors are flawed. Thank you for not amening that too, too, uh, too much. Uh, I am more aware of that than you are. Uh, I, I can assure you. But there is a treasure inside of pastors. Uh, there is, I know there's a treasure inside of me that is of God and not from me. And if you wanted to put out a list of my flaws, then I, again, could probably add things to that list that you don't even know. Uh, and uh, it's all flawed. Uh, here's one thing I've certainly discovered. Church people are flawed. Every single one of you are a mess. And I like what this passage is, is helping us understand, is that in the midst of flawed containers can be an enormous, valuable treasure. They're, they're, the value factor is not just by analyzing you, but the value factor of your life is by discovering what God has put in you. So I, I want to say that wide open spaces starts to happen for your life when you take the focus off of yourself and start to place the focus on the gift that's within you. Your best life in God, your best life in work, your best life in relationships, your best life is going to happen when you start to recognize the unique contribution 
that your gift can bring to this world. And you quit focusing on all the things that are wrong with you and start locating the gift that's inside of you. You carry a gift within you that can make a significant difference in this world. It, what's in you is valuable. The Bible says, this is what the Apostle Paul is telling us, it's, it's a treasure. There's, a, there's something valuable inside of you. Your gift is powerful. It's, I, I've been meditating on this, as you would imagine, but I'm meditating on this idea that the surpassing greatness of the power of the gift that's in me is not of me, but it's of God. So I just want to say that your gift is more than enough. Your gift is the pathway to your destiny, and God didn't equip you with just barely enough. He equipped you with more than enough. Your gift is of God. There's a, there's a deposit of the amazing, eternal, fantastic, incredible God that's inside of you. It's, the Bible says it's a treasure. The treasure of your gift is contained in an earthen vessel, in a common vessel. I am not perfect, but I am gifted. You are not perfect, but you are gifted. I love Seth Godin's writings, and he, he makes this statement. Quit trying to be perfect and start being remarkable. Now, I want to drill down on a couple of things that I... I hope will help us with this. Your greatest impact in life is going to come when you focus on the gift that God has given to your life and you start to develop that gift. You will dilute the impact of your life when you stay focused on your flaws and your weaknesses and your inconsistencies, and your insecurities, and your stuff, if you stay focused on your weaknesses, and are always spend all of your energy trying to improve your weaknesses, you're going you're gonna to live a mediocre life. But if you locate the gift that God has put inside of you and start to develop that gift and start to release that gift and start to release that treasure, your life can have uncommon impact. One of the first things I want to emphasize for us today is you got to focus on the value of your gift, not on the flaws of the vessel. And you need to do that not only with yourself, but with everyone else. As I said, with church, you're going to find flaws, but look for the treasure. With, with bosses, you're going to find flaws, but look for the treasure. 
With your spouse, you're going to find flaws, but look for the treasure. When you, when you focus on the treasure that is within a person, you start to recognize their real value. Anybody getting this? If you... I would, I would encourage you to... We all have weaknesses. You know, we all have personality quirks. That's what we like to call them. Uh, we, all have, we all have some issues. Um, some are more issue-oriented than others. We all have... We all, we all have, could have bad breath. And minimizing your bad breath never hurt anyone. So I am not saying to absolutely ignore where your weaknesses are, but I am saying that the focus of your life is better found when you minimize on your weaknesses and maximize on your strengths. You know, we, fish are born to swim. We don't send them to flying school to help them become well-rounded. We're trying to fix the fact that they can't fly. They were born to swim. So far better to focus on their gift to swim and let them be remarkable at that than always spending a lot of time and energy focusing on trying to teach them how to fly when they weren't born to do that. Birds were made to fly, and they do great at it. But we don't send them to swimming school. I think when you get focused on trying to fix your weaknesses, and that becomes a major focus for your life, is that you you can just become not as bad as you were. Right? So if, if your gift is in people skills, but your, uh, your weakness is in math skills, if, if, you, if you try to improve your math skills... That's not a bad thing, but just say on a scale of 1 to 10, you're a 2 at math. Well, you need a good accountant. Because <laughs> you might be able to go from 2 to 4, but if your people skills are 7, and you improve them two notches, you go from 7 to 9, and all of a sudden, you're remarkable. You're incredible. There, there's something to consider. The, the best you can become in trying to improve your weaknesses is not as bad as you were. But the best you can become in focusing on your strengths and improving your strengths is to realize that in your gift, you can be brilliant. A, a life of significance a life of significant impact, a life of significant contribution to this world. And, and that's what we want, right? We don't want to just be consumers. 
I said, we don't want to just be consumers. I said, we don't want to just be consumers. We want to be contributors. It happens when you locate the gift that God's put inside of you, the treasure that's in you, and, and work at developing that. I believe in some of you is, uh, is, a, is a, a business that, that God has put gifting and capacity inside of you to, to be a, an entrepreneur, to lead in business. And as you launch into what you're called to do, it will make an impact for other people because if you're really called to it and if you are providing that opportunity, all of a sudden, you'll start providing jobs for other people by doing what your gift is, right? You'll start stirring up new financial resources because of what your gift is. And I also realize that not everyone is gifted to be entrepreneurial. Not everyone is gifted to be the leader. Some people are entirely gifted to be on the team. And their best contribution to life isn't just trying to always take over, but their best contribution in life will actually be to be a support on the team. It's okay to find that role. It's okay to be that. That could very well be your gift. And rather than striving for being the leader when that's not really the gift that's put in your life, I really think I'm saying this on purpose to help somebody because I think some people think if I could just finally get out from under this situation, then I'd really be able to, to move forward. I'd really be able to soar. Maybe not. Give it a go. <laughs> Give it a try. But if it, if, it, if it doesn't work two times, three times, four times, you might just take a step back and go, maybe there's a different gift in me. There is a ministry within every single one of you. And discovering that is a huge part of recognizing what your unique contribution can be to this world. There's a, there is a touch of God that is unique on you, in you. In some of you, there is an idea that God wants to get into this world, and he wants to get it into this world through you. He's given you a solution to something. He's given you an answer to something. He's given you a light to shine in the darkness. I believe that there are songs within some of us that could lift thousands of people into places of worship. It's a gift. Now, not everybody in this room is going to have a gift to write songs. Some of us can barely even sing songs, much less write them. But you and your gift are God's most valuable resource in this world. The gift that he's placed in you is needed by this world. You have a touch of greatness on you because 
you're created in the image of God. Something of the greatness of God has been deposited in you, and the touch of God, the treasure of God, the, the thing that's in you, it's called a gift. You didn't earn it. It's what a gift is. <laughs> you didn't, it, isn't, it isn't even your idea. It's a discovery of what God's put inside, a treasure that's in a very common container. What, what I'm trying to emphasize to us today is you might feel common. You might feel flawed. And if you have any sense of reality about your assessment of yourself, you will feel common. And you will feel flawed. Because you've got to understand, this is the Apostle Paul writing about this idea. The Apostle Paul was one of the smartest men that has ever lived in history. He, he, he learned under some of the greatest teachers. There are some historians that say he could speak 30 different languages fluently. Come on. We're Americans. We could barely speak one. <laughs> He was a, and he went into one part of the scripture where he described himself as a Hebrew of Hebrews, a Pharisee of Pharisees, a, a born in Rome. I mean, the guy had every pedigree imaginable. He, he was a, he was, his willpower, his, everything about the Apostle Paul, what, he had some amazing capacities, obviously quite brilliant to be used by God to write the bulk of the New Testament. But even he recognized this is an earthen vessel. This is, there is some commonness to this that, that I can't stay focused on. 1 Corinthians 12 verse 4 says, Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of ministries, but the same Lord. There are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. To each one, that means you, that means me, is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Variety is a good thing. <laughs> How many of you are glad that boys are different than girls? Amen. Variety is a good thing. Variety. We, we all have different personalities. We all have different interests. Some of us are detailed. Some of us are random. Some of us are creative. Some of us are technical. Some of us are people-oriented. Some of us are task-oriented. Some of us like NASCAR. Some of us like golf. Everybody say variety. Variety. There's a variety of gifts. There's a variety of ministries. There's a variety of effects. 
There's a variety of charisma. That's the, the Greek word for gifts. That a grace-given aptitude. You didn't earn it. God gave it to you. There's a variety of ministries, of serving capacities. Everybody can and should serve with the gift that God's given to them, right? There's a variety of effects, which is literally the Greek word that would give us the idea of the release of energy. Come on, when, when your treasure, when your gift, when your ministry is being released, there is a release of God-born energy. And those gifts, those ministries, those effects, are, they're not given to you for you. They are given to you for the common good. They are given to you for others. Now, if you will locate your gift and serve other people with it, you will find that it will be profitable for you. But the real idea is what service can you bring? What contribution can you bring? Romans 1 verse 11, Paul says, I long to see you in order that I may impart some spiritual gift to you that you would be established. I love it. Paul's saying, I, I, I want to be, be present uh, with you. I, I'm, I'm not from a distance hollering something at you, but I'm actually present. And he says, I want to impart something. Because that's what gifts do. Gifts impart something. The treasure that God's put in you, you've got to realize, is more than just a talent. It, it's, it's not just, I realize I have a gift to teach, but I think the anointing on the gift to teach is an impartation. And there's an impartation of faith. There's an impartation of understanding. There's an impartation of revelation. That's, that's just, that's the gift that God, so, some people, some people have, a, have a gift for singing, but it's not just singing, it takes us into worship. I mean, you know, that's a different thing. Just singing a song is one thing, but recognizing the treasure, why did God give you that voice? Why did God give you that ability to play the guitar or the drums, or why did God give that to you? Because the, he wants you to use that for his glory, and when you use it for his glory, why did God give you a gift to work with children? Why did God give you an ability to work with old people, whoever they are? <laughs> why did God give you a gift to care about the details? There's something, there's something about releasing your gift that releases an impartation. It's more than just you're singing a song or teaching a lesson or loving on a kid. I think some people literally are, they have a gift for loving on people. And so we put them at the front door. It's more than just greeting someone and performing a function. It's actually love is imparted. Welcome is imparted. Hospitality is imparted. Can you hear what I'm saying? Paul said, I want to be present with you so that, that I could impart something to you through my gift. 1 Timothy 4 verse 14 says, don't neglect 
the spiritual gift that's within you, which was bestowed upon you through prophetic utterance with the laying on of hands by the presbytery. You have to pay attention to your gift. You can't neglect your gift. Use it or lose it. Now, I don't mean lose it altogether because the gifts of God, the Bible says, are without repentance. They're, they're still in you. And I think there are people that, sitting in our church right now that have gifts that maybe have been used in the past, but now those gifts are just sitting dormant. And I'm here to stir it up today. Amen. God didn't give you a treasure just for you to bury it. Come on. There's something about not neglecting and putting to the side and saying, oh, well, maybe I'm done. But recognizing there's a gift in me. there's, There's something in me that God wants to use that this planet needs. And you figure, you start to discern what that gift is. You start to identify what that gift is. You start to develop what that gift is. And you begin to release it, and it releases an anointing. It releases an impartation. 1 Peter 4.10 says this, as each one. Say each one. Say that means me. Thank you for all saying that. Let's try that again. Everybody say each one. Say, that means me. As each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Each one has a gift. I think some people walk through life thinking, I'm not that important. I don't matter. And I'm I'm here to correct that, that lie. You have a gift. You have a treasure. Maybe you've been too focused on the earthen vessel part of it and have not stayed focused enough on the treasure part of it. And the Bible says, employ that gift. You're going to find your greatest satisfaction in life by getting employed. Hello? Yea, verily, that's a prophetic word. Um, (laughs) Come on, you're not going to live satisfied just sitting on the sidelines. Employ it. No bystanders, no spiritual unemployment. Employ it in serving others. Because the Bible says it's, it's literally a manifestation of the grace of God. I don't know if anybody's ever told you this. If you've been around here, you've been told it, but you're gifted. Right, this side of the room. You're gifted. You are. You are a gift to this world. 
Your gift matters. Your life matters. You are uniquely qualified for a unique contribution. You can't do what I do because you don't have the gift for it. But I can't do what you do because I don't have the gift for it. If your car breaks down, don't call me. It's not going to do either of us any good. (laughs) If you need something fixed at your house, don't call me. Because I don't have a gift for it. Your gifting is your path to greatness. If, if If you stay locked in on the earthen vessel part of it all, you diminish the greatness of your life. But if you would get locked in on the gift, the treasure that God's put inside of you, your gifting is your greatest contribution to the planet, your greatest contribution to God, your greatest contribution to his purpose, your greatest contribution to people. The The giving of you is the best gift you can give. Ephesians 2.10 says this, We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has already prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God's crafted something fantastic out of your life. There's something great that God's deposited in you. The spirit of greatness is in you. I know some of us are, we're going, gosh, that just sounds so, I think this is exactly what Paul is saying. The surpassing greatness of the treasure is in an earthen vessel. You're, you're created in God's image. God is a great God. That means there is a touch of greatness on your life. Somewhere. Something in you that people need. You are God's most valuable resource. You. You. If every system is flawed and every program is flawed, I really believe that the value of the church in the world is not that we would have the greatest programs. I think the value of the church is that we would have people who recognize the gifting that God's put inside of their life. Programs don't reach people. People reach people. The Holy Spirit anoints people. You could could put a dud, in other words, a person who hasn't recognized the spirit of greatness in their life, in a great program and it will fail. But if you put an anointed person in a kind of funky program, it will probably flourish because of them. 
Here, we, we've done everything we know how to do as a church to try to reach people, invite people, get people in, fill the house of God, because that's what Jesus said we should do, fill the house of God. And, and here's what I still know. People come to church when people invite them to church. Overwhelmingly through all the years, there's no question that billboards or TV commercials or radio commercials or ads in, in any part of, you name it, media, which I'm not saying we shouldn't have done that or, sh- or won't continue to do it, but overwhelmingly, what reaches people is people. It, our church doesn't have an outreach program. We have people. who love people and care about whether they're going to spend eternity in heaven or in hell, who care about where their life is right now, who care about them having hope and faith and love at work in their life. Can you hear what I'm saying? People people get touched by our church when we touch them. We can't just say, oh, we've got a Servolution Saturday and it's a program. That isn't what makes it happen. It's people. Gifted people touch other people. That's how it works. Love happens by people, not by programs. Come on, a lift happens by people. Prayer, we could, we could say this, we're a praying church. But you know what? You know when you become a praying church is when people pray. We're a we're a, we're a worshiping church. Well, we're not a worshiping church because of great music that comes off this platform. Because there's a lot of places that would have astonishing music come off a platform. That doesn't mean any worship has happened. When people worship. You with me? You and your gift is the program. (laughs) I like what Tom Peters said. Techniques don't produce quality products or pick up the garbage on time. People do. Ian Bounds put it in a more spiritual way. Men are looking for better methods. God is looking for better men. How does God get into this world? Through people, flawed people, earthen vessels, common containers that he puts a gift inside of. 2 Timothy 1 says this, verse 67, for this reason I remind you to kindle afresh or stir up. Everybody say stir up. I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power and love and discipline. Some translations say a sound mind. I'm encouraging you, as Paul wrote to Timothy here, to stir up the gift that's within you. Come on. He said... 
he says, don't be owned by fear or timidity, but in power, in love, with a sound mind, with some discipline. You know what? The value of our church would increase exponentially if every person that is a part of this church family would get a hold of their gift and start to be bold and strong and loving and disciplined about using that gift for the glory of God. <laughs> Don't be timid about your gift. Don't be shy. Keep your gift stirred up. Use your gift. Use it powerfully. Use it lovingly. Use it in a disciplined way. Go for it. 2 Timothy 1, verse 6. This special gift, this is that same passage from the message. This special gift of ministry you received when I laid hands on you and prayed. Keep that ablaze. God doesn't want us to be shy with his gifts, but bold and loving and sensible. Humility is your friend. Timidity is your enemy. Humility recognizes I'm just an earthen vessel. The timidity says, I'm going to let the earthen vessel part hide the gift God's put in me. One last scripture, and then we're going to pray. 2 Timothy 1.14, guard through the Holy Spirit who dwells in you the treasure that's been entrusted to you. Yeah, there, there's... There's all kinds of things that come to try to steal your gift. Bad experience, rejection, insecurity, guilt, condemnation, atrophy, fear, distraction. In other words, there's a lot of things that, that want to bury your gift. And I'm here today just to say, come on, man, come alive. Stir up this gift. We, we know you're a mess. Welcome to the club. I want you to bow your heads, please, and close your eyes. Father, what an amazing idea that you would place these treasures inside common earthen vessels. We, just, we own that today. I'm praying for every person in this room, Father, to be ignited, to come ablaze, to employ the gift of God that's been put inside of their life. 
I'm believing that you're going to heal broken hearts and heal disappointments and rise up those that have even just chosen to be on the sidelines. God, you've called them right into the middle of the playing field. So, Father, I'm believing that you're going to do an amazing thing. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I really want to just give an opportunity here this morning. Maybe you've never given your life to Christ and you've never come alive to this kind of thing I've been talking about today. Maybe you're here today and you're not in the relationship with God that you used to be and you know that things have grown cold for you or you've gotten off track or whatever. It's just, you just know it's time for me to come home. It's time for me to get back going with God. And he loves you and he welcomes you back with open arms. Maybe you just feel unsure. I just want to take a moment to pray. If you say, Pastor, that, that's me. One of those is me. I, I need to give my life to Christ. I've never done that before. Or I want to make sure I'm right with God or I want to be sure I'm right with God. I want you to lift your hand right now and say, that's me. Would you pray for me all over this room? Come on. I just want to make sure every person that's in this room walks out of here with a sense, I am right in my relationship with God. Anybody? God bless you. Come on, anybody else? Anybody else? Yeah. Amen. Let's pray together. Everyone who lifted their hand, this is, this is really for you, but I'd like us all to pray this prayer. Everybody say, Lord Jesus, I open my life to your love, to your lordship. I need you. I want you in my world as my Lord. I know I've sinned. I come to the cross where you paid the price for my forgiveness. Today, I receive you. I embrace you as my Lord. Help me become the person you created me to be. Amen. Come on, let's thank the Lord.